This is the WWE Podcast Week in Review, and tonight I've got a new co-host with me. It's Matt, who has his own podcast, by the way, I would highly recommend you check out. It's called Beyond the Matt. It's available everywhere, and Matt is spelled M-A-T-T, so clever little play in words there. But we're going to cover everything that happened, at least the big ticket items for this week in WWE. We had quite a long conversation, but it felt like we were just two old friends talking about wrestling, and I really would encourage you to listen to the whole episode because uh, we we do have some differences. We don't agree on everything, but I think that you'll enjoy the conversation. It's a new voice, a smart voice, and uh, definitely one that you're going to want to listen to if you're a wrestling fan. So we're going to get to all of your week in WWE right after this. Are you ready to live a more free, healthy, and abundant life? FoodForestAbundance.com is a community of passionate, freedom-loving people who want to build a free, healthy, and abundant society for generations to come. They're focused on creating a decentralized food supply by setting up forests on underutilized lawn space around the world. And this is just the beginning. They offer landscape design, blueprints, installation, maintenance tips, and a whole lot more. In these uncertain times, you want the peace of mind of having food security right outside your front door. They plan on growing food forest in every community community, providing healthier food free from the supply chain. To learn more, visit foodforestabundance.com. Use the code FOOD22 and save 5%. foodforestabundance.com. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants, me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast Week in Review. As promised at the top of the show, we do have a new voice for this episode of the podcast talking about all the big ticket items we focus a lot on smackdown we do touch a a bit on raw and some of the big items and it was great to hear an in-person perspective from smackdown so that's what you're going to get the things that you didn't see and hear when you were watching smackdown this past week we have an in-person correspondent who was there he was there and we're going to get to his analysis and thoughts in just one second But first, I want to welcome you and thank you for choosing the WWE podcast out of many wrestling podcast options. You are here because, well, either you stumbled on us or you're a longtime listener and you're supporting the show. And I do appreciate it. If you want to support the show, lots of ways to do that. Click that five star rating and review on any podcast app. You can go to our website, wwepodcast.com and go VIP. You get 50% off your first month. That comes to a buck 50 using the promo code Roman. It gets you ad-free everything on top of the exclusive video that's available. I do video shout-outs, or rather a video analysis, just a couple minutes once a week, talking about wrestling and things that you don't see anywhere else. You can also go to Patreon for a dollar. You get ad-free everything, and you get uh, video exclusives, exclusive ad-free content, and After Dark, that After Dark R-rated show is available to you on Patreon and also on uh, our uh, VIP side of things on our website. So, guys, uh, we're going to talk about this week in WWE. Not going to waste any more time. I'll be back tomorrow with Anthony DeMarco as we cover this state of WWE. 
this week. And then Tuesday is the weekend or the, the Monday Night Raw review. Wednesday is your mailbag. And then uh, the rest of the week, you guys know, rounded out with AEW, NXT, and the good old WWE Retro Show, and then SmackDown Review again by Michael Ritter and John Carrasco. So, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. That's the last time I'll say that. Thank you, everybody, for all the support and downloads and uh, all the, the love that you guys show us. So let's get to the Week in Review with Matt from Delaware. So here we go. Enjoy the show. As always, I'll talk to you next time. All right, everybody, welcome to the Week in Review here on the WWE Podcast. And tonight we've got a brand new co-host with us, and he is Matt from Delaware, and he's he's back to, well, he's here for the first time, but I'm sure he'll be back, and he's going to be talking about everything this week in WWE with Raw and SmackDown and anything else that comes to mind as we kind of go off the cuff here and uh, just talk wrestling, which is what you guys are here to do. But, uh, Matt, first of all, welcome to the show. It's really, really cool to have you here. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. A little bit tired from a long work week, but, um, you know, hanging in there. Exciting week with WWE coming out of WrestleMania Backlash. Um did want to mention I have a podcast of my own as well. It's called the Beyond the Map podcast. You can find that on all podcast platforms. And we're also on social media at Beyond Matt WWE. But enough about me. I thought it was a pretty good week of uh, WWE. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good, too. I mean, certainly, you know, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I mean, you attended SmackDown yourself, right? You were in person. So I was. So yes. let's start there. I mean, I know we, we'll talk about Raw a little bit later on, but with the in-person experience, how did you enjoy SmackDown? Well, in general, I always enjoy the, the events live. I mean, I go to a lot of house shows, Raw, SmackDown, whatever. I honestly enjoy going to house shows more because there's no breaks and promos and you see a lot more wrestling. That being said, this episode of SmackDown was really fun to be there for. RK Bro is more over than probably anybody I've been in the building for since I was in the building for people like Stone Cold and The Rock. I mean, I've ne- I couldn't hear anything when they came out to start the show. And what makes it even bigger that they get that kind of reaction. You know, anybody who's a babyface is going to get a big reaction coming out of there at- to start the show. They came out at the end and got an even bigger reaction. So for that crowd to be sitting there for two and a half hours and give them that pop at the end told me a lot about, you know, how the fans feel about it. But it was a great atmosphere. I thought the matches were pretty good. It was nice to see Rousey out there, you know, issuing an open challenge and working, you know, a decent length. You know, seven minutes isn't that long, but Raquel got in some good offense against her and. I think they need to do that with Ronda Rousey because the fans were lukewarm about her um, in the stadium, at least. And I can tell that the fans are lukewarm about her in general. But having her do this, I think, you know, puts her over a little bit for her in-ring ability because they really haven't shown us that much of her in the ring. We've got an I quit match, a tag team match, and then a lackluster performance at WrestleMania. So, you know, she's been protected a little bit in that vein. And now she's working in the ring with these people. They showed the segment with Shotzi and Aaliyah after the match. So I guess we're to assume that she's going to take on them eventually, too, 
I guess while we're waiting for a bigger contender, a bigger heel contender to come to establish a nice long-term feud, she's going to be defending that title on TV against some people who could use a boost. So that was cool. Now, the one thing I'll tell you I noticed in this, I, I, I suspected it when I was at the last SmackDown I was at and at the Raw because I see, you know, we all know that they have people that fill in the crowd empty spaces, especially opposite the hard cam, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I get in there, and there's two or three guys, like, in our seats. And then, you know, me and my son are like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, just tell me what seats you got. We work for WWE. We'll move. And so they move, and I was like, oh, that's real cool. And they didn't really want to talk to me at all. They were like, shut up. I kept telling them how cool I thought it was that they worked for WWE, and they were like, all right, man, stop talking to me. So... Turns out the guy to my right also was a plant that was taking up seats. And um, the people to the left of my son was Pete Dunn's uh, cousin or something like that. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was Pete Dunn's family members. So these guys in the crowd not only are taking up space for the camera, but they were over their walkie talkies receiving orders from people backstage and then uh, – trying to start different crowd chants and different crowd reactions at different times during the show. Real notable point, New Day was getting ready to come out. And I heard over the walkie-talkie, New Day's getting ready for their match. We need you to try to establish a New Day Rocks chant when the trombone starts. And I was like, oh, my God. They have people in the crowd that are starting chants. So we don't even know if the chants are legit or not. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's I mean I'm no I'm no New Day fan. I mean that that's that's sad that they have to tell people to chant for the New Day. I mean like uh, let me just put it out there that that tells you everything you need to know about how stale of an act that is. But um that that is interesting. I've never you know seen or talked to anybody that has had to to uh directly deal with wwe plants in the crowd and that they have walkie talkies there and that they seem dismissive you know about you know when you try to talk to them and uh, the way that they had their demeanor was but i i have to ask too you said that ronda rousey's reaction was lukewarm and it, it did come across that way on camera and it's been that way for a while um did anybody say anything about when ronda rousey again refused to call the SmackDown Women's Championship the SmackDown Women's Championship and said it was like the SmackDown Championship title. Did anybody catch that care or do anything about that or was anything at all? Yeah, there there was some audible groaning. And to be quite honest with you, in the arena, you could barely hear anything she was saying. It was just like, I'm Ronda Rousey. I've won. <laughs> I made Charlotte tap out or say I quit because I broke her arm. Who's going to challenge me tonight? You know, it was just like, it was a bunch of like stuff that just barely came off over the loudspeakers. And then all of a sudden we had her issuing an open chair. It was so hard to hear, her, but people were sort of restless with, you know, that. And it was, it, it's annoying that she can't get the title name right. And if she's does, if she's doing that on purpose, that's equally annoying. Yeah, there's there's no good answer. Like even if if she can't get it right, that's 
that's not good because you can't remember the name of the championship that you won and that you're here to defend. I mean, that that's embarrassing. Or if you're purposefully doing it, that's even that to me that almost is worse because then you're just you're disrespecting the name of the championship. It's the SmackDown Women's Championship. Like everyone who has ever held it since you has called it that. Why are you special? Why are you above the name that the championship was given? I mean, I, I'm not a big Ronda Rousey fan, and the way she like you're you're right about the, uh, the 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 promo delivery. I mean, we can barely hear her at home. I can't imagine in the arena what it's like with all the outside audible noise, and, and like, especially when she starts out her promo, she starts almost like whispering. It's like, can, can you like, put some bass in your voice? We know you have it, and she's she's talking like she's. I don't know, having some secret co- phone conversation. It's like right. you're, you're cutting a promo on national television. It, that tells me she has no confidence as what, in what she's saying. I mean, I, that's to me what it is. Uh, and I think she, uh, for as much complaining as I do about Ronda Rousey, I think she'd be an excellent heel because she's got all the qualities of one. She calls herself the baddest woman on the planet when there's really no there's no basis for that three years or four years or five years since her actually having an actual you know MMA match. I mean, that, that that's like a... That's a title that should have been stripped of her many years ago. But she says, I I would never utter the words, I quit or whatever. I'm like, but you quit MMA. You quit WWE. When, when Holly Holm broke your face, you went and hid and quit MMA. You quit UFC. So, I mean, like, don't I don't want to hear that stuff from her. I'm just not a Ronda Rousey babyface fan. So, um, but the I match, agree. Yeah, I don't go, think go ahead. I don't think she, I, she's miscast. She should not be a babyface face. I think this is all about Fox wanted Rousey on their show. WWE's got to follow Fox's orders because of their network deal. I think that's why we see a lot of these strange things like tag unification matches get canceled at the last minute and things like that. But um, so Rousey's on the show. They got her baby face. She'd be way better as a heel, like you say, because you don't need to sit there and cut a great promo if you're a heel. You just can kick somebody's ass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And look like a, a mean chick kicking somebody's ass, and that'll get you over as a heel. You don't need to do all. And so they got her. And you know, I'm trying to give her a chance. She's done working with Flair. You know, I I feel like their chemistry was just bad. So I'm trying to be receptive to it, give WWE a chance to get somewhere with her. Hopefully we get a return of Bailey or something to feud with her so we can get some excitement in there because that alone will make it 10 times better. Um, but just having her out there talking, they need to cut that out. Enough with the talking. They See, they solved the problem in the flare feud by having Gulak out there and have her beat Gulak out. Just keep doing that. Have Gulak interview her every time. And let her beat Drew Gulak up. Even though it's a heel thing to do, it'll at least make fans make the segment entertaining, you know? It, it would. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I, you know, and, and I, I don't know where that whole Drew Gulak thing's going. I, he got beat up or uh, kind of bullied by Gunther. I refuse to call him Gunther. It doesn't sound right. So uh, he got, he got kind of bullied around by him and backstage. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's just getting. You know, pushed around, shoved around. Men and women are just completely, you know, uh, just emasculating him every time, every chance that they get. And I don't think it's good for his character. I'm a big Drew Gulak in-ring fan. I mean, I remember when he and Daniel Bryan had a a nice run uh, a few years ago, and uh, now it's uh, just you know all but forgotten. But you know, back to back to Rousey, and then we'll, we'll move on a little bit here. I think that Ronda Rousey, yes, she's miscast. Her promos are not good. 
Um, and, and WWE has to know this because it's, I mean, it's blatantly just painfully obvious that her promos are, you know, subpar. And I'm not saying promos are easy. I'm not saying I could go out there and cut one. They're very difficult to do. And I understand that. But with, like you said, with being a heel, you can just, she, honestly, she could just be herself. I think with a babyface character, she's trying to be somebody else. She's trying to be a version of herself that doesn't exist in real life, where the Ronda Rousey heel, the kind of arrogant, narcissistic person that I think she truly is in real life, that, that's me, would be very nicely translated onto TV, and they can make a bunch of money with it. And I mean that as a compliment, a compliment to her in that she could be an amazing heel. I mean, look what they did. How many people said that about Roman Reigns? It felt forced. It didn't feel right. And they turn him heel, and it's one of the biggest success stories in the last 15 years in WWE. I think Ronda Rousey could, maybe not that level, but it would be a similar type of turn. She could just be herself. Say that she didn't need to come here. WWE needed me. You guys needed me. How dare you? Like, she could totally destroy the fans the fans are kind of lukewarm like you said about her now they could absolutely turn on her on a dime i don't think there's any true emotional love for ronda it's just kind of like oh cool it's still ronda rousey are we still supposed to cheer for her like she hasn't been in mma in a while like what what do we do here and like you said the chemistry with charlotte they didn't have much at all that was a very underwhelming uh, program from a prom, uh, promotional standpoint they did what they could and i applaud both women but man that that was underwhelming to say the least i think the real money is with becky lynch and ronda which is now rumored for wrestlemania 39 we'll see if that happens but um yeah any final touches on ronda before we move on yeah just exactly what you said it's it's either she's not confident in what she says or she doesn't actually believe it which you know they're scripted lines so that's fine but if you can't execute them and make us think that you believe it then you're failing at what you're doing and so i they've definitely seen this by now i don't know why they're doing it this way you know they had a baby face against her in raquel it seems like you know the way raquel got that match was very heelish the way she locked somebody in the restroom or whatever and pushed somebody out of the way just to get her match now we got a lee and shots you complain about that so it looks like they're going to eventually turn Raquel as the heel to face Ronda down the road or whoever the champ is. I'd just like to see somebody else holding the title or somebody more entertaining in her segments. If they're going, they need a keeper because they've paid her a lot. I get it. Just do something to get her off the microphone. She puts us all to sleep. If anybody takes melatonin, they don't need to take it on Friday night. <laughs> If Rousey is behind the microphone and, you know, they, they did pop for her entrance, I think more for the song than anything else. But people were more excited to see the moves executed by Raquel than Rousey. And then the last thing I'll say about the plants is that the one that was sitting next to me was actually pretty cool because he was telling he was like during the arc during the riddle match. When I, I was getting pissed off because I thought that Zane was going to win by count out again. And then he started laughing and was like, oh, yeah, I knew that was coming because I guess they know everything that's going to happen. But um, they weren't that rude. It was just really interesting to see the fact that they had people in the crowd to try to get the crowd to make the reactions they wanted for the television show. 
manipulation. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's yeah. manipulation. It's all about perception, which is why half the time they don't mention the city they're in because they're too. I mean, I think uh, what did we have? Um, I think what we had Roman Reigns say Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I think that's what he said. I mean, he. You can't talk about the city. I mean, like it doesn't make any sense why they 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 don't do. I know why they don't do it, and why when they're not in an NFL or professional sports city, they always run it down. Um, and when they're in New York City or Boston or Chicago, everybody somehow works the name of the place they're in in every promo you hear. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 amazing, but it's also you know people spend the same amount of money to go to the to the events in small towns as they do large towns. They they have enough. I, I guess of a um, enough integrity to put the you know like upcoming events. They put ticket sales and they put the name of the city for next week that tickets are still on sale. Yet when they get to that city ne- that following week, they don't put the name of the city up if it's not quote unquote big enough. I mean, I I, I never I, I don't know I, I'd be insulted. I'd be I, I, it's just so small of them when they do that every week that, or not every week, but every time they're not in a in a city that they're proud to be in, especially when it's in a southern city that doesn't have a NFL team. But uh, shifting gears a little bit to Raquel Rodriguez, I, I think that looking at her, the visual of her and Ronda Rousey standing side by side is striking. I mean, is she that big in person? She looks like a big girl. Yeah. Like she's imposing. Yeah, I, I took a picture of her when they were standing right next to each other, and it was like, wow. Now, Ronda, I think, is a short shorter lady to begin with but raquel dwarfed her i mean and that was i think you know what they were going for that's why they had him do that standoff for a minute but it was people in the crowd were like wow how tall because not that many of the you know fans that are sort of casual fans if you want to call them that know who raquel is very much other than the couple squash matches they've seen on TV. I guess she's only had one before this. But if they don't follow NXT, they don't know who she is. And the people that were around me that didn't, that were just regular fans, they were like, holy crap, this lady's huge. Now, the other thing that was very glaring about Raquel was she remained smiling literally the t- from the time she exited the gorilla position to the time the match was over and she returned to the, to the gorilla position. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, she. I think that's a genuine smile. Like I can't believe I'm here with one of the biggest stars, athletic stars in the world, uh, and I'm um, having a match on SmackDown on national TV with her. I think. I think it was partly, hey, you're a babyface. Make sure you smile, but also genuine. I, I think. Yeah. Per- personally, I think I think it's more genuine than because uh, I gotta. Uh, so yeah. I mean, and I think she did pretty good in the ring i mean nobody ever believed that she was going to beat ronda but the the point was to have a good showing to get the rub and i think it was mission accomplished you know they shook hands at the end and you know that was that but uh all right well let, let's move on here because there's so much more to talk about um yeah that was a good match though that was a good showing yeah. by raquel and it was you know nice of ronda to let her get her offense in and everything and then you know they protected raquel with the roll-up finish which you know Say what you want about roll-ups. Sometimes they got to do what they got to do, you know. But go ahead. No, no, no. I I have no problem with roll-ups. Roll-ups are a good finish. The problem is that they're used way too much. So even when they're done properly and used appropriately, it feels like they they do it too much even when it's done right because they just overdo it. But uh, all right. Well, let's – I want to move on to the bloodline. Let's let's do that because uh, I have to ask too. Roman comes out, I mean, at the end, but – 
how how was the crowd reaction? I'm starting to sense that every time Roman's Reigns his music hits, that I mean, I know you mentioned RK Bro got a massive pop, but do you sense that people are starting to to cheer Roman Reigns like in an in-person perspective? Because at home it seemed kind of mixed, but eventually taboos. Do you feel like it's a positive reaction when he comes out? Like how did how did it translate in person? So this is actually a good question. It's it's interesting because I've gone to quite a few shows over the past like five six months. When Roman entered, you know, back in November, it was straight booze. Then, I mean, people would cheer for acknowledgement, but it was mainly booze like the whole time. Then it got to a point where he was getting cheered. They all the fans always stand up and get excited when they hear his music hit because they know they're seeing somebody big. They know it's, you know, they know it's the top guy and everything. And when I'm at house shows, people are cheering. Like I saw Drew face Roman in the main event of a house show a couple weeks ago. Right. And people were just booing Drew and they were all over Roman Reigns, you know, loving him, wanting him to win, telling Drew, he's disrespecting the bloodline and using illegal moves every time he punches uh, Roman Reigns. <laughs> and, you know, so the the fans are endeared to him. But all that being said, for whatever reason, at this event, he got a little bit of, a, you know, he got a nice pop when his music hit. But and some people stood up, but a lot of people just sat, remained there and kind of looked almost like. I don't want to say annoyed, but kind of like, oh, okay, here comes Roman Reigns. They popped for Acknowledge Me, but then they just weren't as excited as I've seen. Because I've been to other SmackDowns where it's, it felt like, you know, this is the super heel and everybody's cheering him. But it just didn't – this one felt different, man. It felt like people were like, you know, you got both titles, but you're not even defending them and stuff like that. It really felt like he wasn't as supported as he has been. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just because I'm at home, I'm sitting there and it, I, I'm very interested in the reaction because his entrance is so long. I mean, it's longer than some women's matches, which is, you know, I don't know what's that. That's not great to say, but it's been true. Um, and, and he, you know, at the beginning, like you said, he gets that big reaction, but is it a reaction? Like not necessarily positive, just like, like you said, kind of excitement that the top guys here. Uh, and then I think after that initial reaction, that's when I start to really listen to, okay, well, are they really booing? Are they cheering? Is it just noise? Like, what is this? And um, so I, I, you're right. I, I agree that over the last few, well, it's, it, it went from boos to cheering. And now I think it's trending more to a, a negative reaction again, which is where they want it. But I, I think that Roman Reigns, if they ever wanted to, could flip him on a dime back to babyface. I, I wouldn't do it yet. But it seems as if the fans have had enough time to boo and hate him. And once he drops the title or titles, whoever the hell they're going to defend them, they haven't ever described that, by the way. I think that after that, the fans will will be ready to re-embrace Roman Reigns as one of the biggest baby faces that WWE's seen in quite some time. I think that with the entrance music and everything else, he's an inch away uh, from if they wanted to turn him, he could do it instantly. Um, Well, Vince, Vince McMahon always says, you know, he said this since day one when uh, I think Stephanie McMahon, I mean, even before that, other people. But I remember specifically him talking about Stephanie McMahon 
and her being like, oh, I'm playing a heel. And then he's like, yeah, you're playing a heel. And you're going to be a huge heel because when, if we ever turn you, that will make you all the bigger, the baby face. And he said that about so many people over the years. And so, yes, Roman Reigns definitely is still over with the crowd. I think a lot of times the reaction you get is depends on what he says. If he's out there saying he's going to smash this guy and smash that guy and do this and do that, people might like it. I think because he was rubbed against RK Bro in this situation that the fans were more with RK Bro. But in other situations, you know, I've seen them pop for him like he's a baby face when he's not even supposed to be. But I definitely feel like there's a a uh, uneasiness or a, I'm struggling to get the word. But it's like people are just sort of sitting on their hands with him waiting for something to happen. And so he gets the big pop when he comes out, gets the big pop for acknowledge me. And then, it, you know, he did his strut across the ring. You know, where he kind of dances on the apron before he enters. And people were just kind of rolling their eyes at that. Normally, everybody's standing and going nuts. And uh, this time, it just wasn't as, you know, of a lovable, endearing thing, which it shouldn't be because he's a heel. But And that's where they want him to be. So, you know, having him up against RK-Bro is a good place to have him, to keep him, you know, hated by the crowd. But yeah, what you were getting at with him sort of entering the realm of, you know, being a heel that everybody's cheering and things like that, it was definitely getting that way, especially because he was in a feud with Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar is pretty polarizing with the fans, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they've done they've given Roman he, he's a made man. He's accomplished so much in the business now. He was booed out of the building for 10 years when they were doing the baby face stuff. Him as a, I think, me personally and most wrestling fans appreciate who he is because he's the the double champion. You know, he's got the merchandise all the kids like. So he's still getting a, a good reaction that's not like when, uh, you know, when like Triple H was the top heel in the early, I guess the later Attitude Era around 2000 when he was running roughshod and just everybody would boo him. Roman Reigns doesn't get that kind of reaction. You know, everybody's not just standing there watching him come out. He gets people get excited for him. But I think it depends on what his uh, content is that he's going to be saying and, you know, what the situation is. So what did the crowd do? How did they react? It came across pretty positive when uh, Riddle need Roman Reigns in the face and they took off. That was one one of the biggest pops of the night. Mm. So I'll tell you right now, I had it written down. RK-Bro opening the show was the biggest pop. Second biggest pop was RK-Bro coming out to close the show. Third biggest pop was the knee to the face. Fourth was Sasha Banks. Fifth was Ronda Rousey. Um, New Day's entrance, actually. See, people were more going nuts for New Day's entrance than Roman Reigns, which is ridiculous. Who the hell likes New Day? I mean, I'm not trying to alienate anybody, but I mean, I, I get it that kids like it and they sell all kinds of merchandise, but they, they just feel like that old outfit that you've had for years that you need to get that you need to change out of. 
like that old business suit that you always wore to work that you're like, okay, I think it's time for a new one. And on top of that, why are they feuding with Butch and Fight Night still? It's been going on for like three months. I thought it was done at WrestleMania. The, yeah, that that matchup. I'm like they said, Kofi Kingston versus Butch next. I'm like, we wait a minute. What, what do you mean? We've seen this like eight times over the last like month. Like, why are we doing this again? And uh, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know what they're doing. And in, in, in New Day is is as stale as stale can be. And the problem is that people continue to cheer. Kids continue to cheer. So WWE's like, hey, we got a cash cow. We're gonna continue. You guys keep pumping out the merchandise. We're gonna keep buying it. It's like that's the problem too. But um. So the, the crowd reaction to Pete Dunn, or rather Butch, versus Kofi Kingston, I mean, I don't have a problem with the matchup, but when uh, you know when, when the match was over, how, how was the crowd? Were they into this at all, or were they kind of, did you hear mumblings of like, oh my, didn't we just see this? They actually, um, they turned on New Day, they kept trying to do the, the trombone crap. Nobody, nobody chanted New Day Rocks during that match. At certain, at one point, we got a Kofi chant, like very, not very loud. I don't even know if it came across TV, but people actually were interested in Pete Dunn's work. A lot of them weren't familiar with him and were kind of like, or not, for, they were familiar but never seen him in a full blown match like that. And they were like, "Wow, he he looks like a good wrestler." And his finisher, the uh, the bitter end. The pump handle slam into the modified flatliner, mm-hmm. that got a huge pop from a lot of people were impressed by that. And then when he exited, he actually came up the row of the, the aisle way right by our section. And people were real excited about that. Um, but it, it is, if you have the New Day out there, those are the positive things. And having the New Day out there with anybody, people are sitting on their hands. There was people going to the bathroom, you know. It just was not something that many people were interested in overall. But I would say, you know, Butch got some positive attention there. Yeah, he did. I mean, I, I don't know what they're trying to do with this dude. I mean, he he's losing more than he's... I know he got the victory this past week, but he's losing more than he's winning. And, and then he runs away. And I guess that's his thing. He's a rabid dog that even when he wins, he runs away. And, and the announcers were trying to create that narrative of wait a minute he won why is he running away i mean he, then he came back of course and uh they celebrated uh the fight or fight night that did that is and and i i don't know i don't this pete or this uh butch character i don't know what to make of it right now i he's getting the rub from sheamus i guess and ridge holland hasn't done anything since he broke biggie's neck i mean that, that's so far unfortunately ridge holland's claim to fame is is putting biggie on the shelf he put uh, Woods through a table. That was good. He yeah, put a, that's putting true. Xavier Woods through a table is always good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I could. Yes, exactly. I mean, that that is a uh, replayable moment for sure. But uh, you know, at, at, outside of that, like Fight Night, there. I don't know. I mean, how many tag teams has Sheamus been in over his career? My God. Um, and it's fine. You're trying to build a new star. I get that. You're trying to elevate somebody. I'm all for that. I'm never going to argue against somebody, a newer talent being brought into an established veteran group that, um, you know, they can help. Everybody can help everybody in this situation. And I think Butch is uh, more relevant than I guess otherwise he would have been. And 
he's a fine wrestler. I have no problem with that either. But um, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else on this match before we move on to something else? Not much. I mean, it's typical New Day not taking their match seriously, getting on shoulders. You know, I think Kofi got on Xavier's shoulders in the middle of the match. He's supposed to be fighting a match. That should be his priority. I thought Butch came off well. The feud's stale. They need Butch to move on. You know, have him go after Ricochet's Intercontinental title. Something else besides this. So that's all I got to say. Very good. Well, let's move to the Women's Tag Team Championship match. And, um, well, we got uh, Asuka, or Asuka, geez, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi defending against Shayna Baszler and uh, Natalia. And um, I don't think anybody saw the outcome of this being anything other than a, re- a retaining of those championships for Sasha and um, and Naomi, and and I thought the match was good. The chemistry was there. I thought that the crowd was fairly hot. I mean, you could you could attest to that in a minute. But uh, the crowd seemed fairly hot for this. I mean, Sasha Banks is clear. I think the biggest star in this entire you know entire program, and we'll have to see how long that whole tag team uh, lasts with Naomi before one of them inevitably turns on the other. Probably Sasha. Um, and and I thought this was fine. I mean, it, to me, this was not bad, and and I. Thought this was a solid match, and I, I mean, I'd give it a grade of B. What What do you think being in person on this matchup? I would totally agree with you. The fans were definitely into it. This was not a, a match where anybody was going to the bathroom or anything like that. You know, they were sort of ebbing, flowing with the match. You know, getting impatient when Baszler and Natalia would do something heelish and kind of cheat. They would. You know, get a little bit nervous when it would look like that the heels had the upper hand. And when Sasha Banks and Naomi hit their spots, they reacted real positively. I thought that the all four ladies did a really good job in this match, especially given the fact that they only had nine minutes to do it. One thing I'll say about it is that last week we saw, maybe not even that, it might have been on Raw, we saw Natalia hold somebody's legs on the ropes so Baszler could win, and they tried that in this match, and the referee saw it. Why didn't he see it in the other match? You know, but that's a small thing. Um, this is this was a good match. They both teams came over well. It just looked like Sasha Bank, you know, Naomi was able to take advantage of how you're trying to put her in the sharpshooter. But it was, you know, they, they had the spots where it looked like Naomi was going to make the hot tag, and then they pulled Baszler off the apron, and the crowd was really into that. They were super hot for Banks and Naomi, but they were also, you know, super restless anytime the heels got the upper hand. You know, they, it, the interesting thing watching it in person that you don't catch on TV is that you can see the camera guys moving around and the agents and security guards or whatever, all moving ringside, you know, to clear out an area that might have a spot coming to it. There was a sp- time when, you know, I saw like three camera guys focusing on what seemed to be nothing. And then all of a sudden a big move came into there. And the other thing about the camera guys you notice is them shaking the cameras every time a move happens. And that's kind of, you know, that's why we get that on TV. But um, the match, you know, people were into this. Nobody was going to the bathroom. I was into it. Everyone was happy to see Boston Glow retain. 
at the same time, I felt like all four ladies, you know, got over pretty well in this match. Again, it was interesting that the ref in this match saw the feet on the ropes being held and didn't see it in the singles match, but, you know, whatever. It was a, uh, some people might say that the finish was weird, having Naomi roll through the sharpshooter, but it was what it was. You know, Naomi was doing everything she could out there. The heels were taking advantage of her. And then, you know, it was booked well. They had Sasha beating the crap out of Baszler ringside so she couldn't break up the pin. Good match. Good in the building to watch. You know, probably in many ways the best worked match of the night just because it involved four ladies and sometimes those can get clunky. But, uh, you know, that match and the Riddle match were both very good. This match was outstanding. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I had no complaints about this. Like, I'm with you. And, and certainly the crowd getting into this helps the at-home viewer experience, no doubt about it. I mean, that's why we all were just painfully dragged through the pandemic era with the, you know, the quiet arenas. And eventually we got to the Thunderdome. And I, I think people need to realize and, and appreciate every time we see a crowd because we have been through, all of us have been through 18 months of hell, at least with WWE programming of, uh, you know, no in-person and, you know, crowd is one of the most important things in pro wrestling, especially. I mean, other sports, it, it does help. It's, but more than any other sport, it, it is required in pro wrestling. So I, I really appreciate hot crowds. And you guys were pretty hot for this matchup. And, you know, rightfully so. It's a championship match. You have a, a big star like Sasha Banks in there. You have, obviously, uh, you have Natalia, who's an established veteran. You have Shayna Baszler, who is... Regarded as a lot of by many people, including myself, as one of the more underutilized talent on the women's roster, just kind of being buried in tag team after tag team after tag team, and all I want to do or see her do is just break people's bones. Like I just want to see she her. She should be challenging Ronda. She's yes. a heel, and they have great chemistry. She may be the only lady on the roster that Ronda has natural chemistry with. Put them in there, and let's see two MMA fighters beat mm -hmm. the heck out of each other. You know. That would, but, um, yeah. Well, what I think they're saving Bailey, probably Bailey and uh, Ronda at SummerSlam is my guess. That's, that's what I think too. Yeah, yeah. And then so about you asked about Sasha. You said something about Sasha and her presentation. You know that mm -hmm. you know you think she's the biggest. I think she's probably one of the misused, most misused women in all of pro wrestling. Now, I also think at the same time she's elevating the women's tag titles to be something that's actually worth thinking about because when they were on Vega and Carmella, who cared, you know, but now that you have Banks and Naomi with them while they were sort of brought down previously and really an afterthought, they're wearing those things proud and they're all over the place with their belts on social media and at appearances and things like that so they're trying to make the women's tag division look better but with banks alone i think they're in a holding pattern with her i think this is the best they can give her right now they're not ready to put her in a title picture because they have a baby face champion that came in and probably most likely took the spot that was reserved for her at wrestlemania um and so they're just doing the best they can to keep her relevant until it's the time for her to do it. Now, with the term between the two of them, 
I honestly think Naomi's going to turn on Sasha because we've seen it so much with Sasha that why not do it with Naomi as a swerve to the fans and have Naomi turn on Sasha and join the bloodline. Stay right there. The WWE podcast will return after this quick break. Are you ready to live a more free, healthy, and abundant life? FoodForestAbundance.com is a community of passionate, freedom-loving people who want to build a free, healthy, and abundant society for generations to come. They're focused on creating a decentralized food supply by setting up forests on underutilized lawn space around the world. And this is just the beginning. They offer landscape design, blueprints, installation, maintenance tips, and a whole lot more. In these uncertain times, you want the peace of mind of having food security right outside your front door. They plan on growing food forest in every community community, providing healthier food free from the supply chain. To learn more, visit foodforestabundance.com. Use the code FOOD22 and save 5%. foodforestabundance.com. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. I've heard thing. I've heard people talk about Naomi joining and probably reasons being married to one of the Usos, but uh, and honestly, it would also kind of balance out what Judgment Day is doing by bringing Rhea Ripley in. Uh, and I don't. I like the male female dynamic of of groups. It just presents a problem with male and female violence. Like how does that work in such a PG world and all that? I mean, that's that's another discussion. But I have no problem with the with Naomi doing that. And Naomi a few months ago had an amazing career defining match with Charlotte Flair for the fantastic. Uh, it, it was her, her best match ever period. I don't care. You know, any other match she's had hundreds of them. That was the best one. And I said, this could be a launching point. And I, I think it was before WrestleMania. This could be a launching point for her career. And it was, a, I, I, yeah, it was a case. I it said was it was a case for the rumble. Yeah. Yes, it, it was. And I said, this is a case to be made. For her to be her to uh, be inserted into the championship match at WrestleMania, nothing transpired from that. Nothing. I mean, like they they talked about it maybe on the week after uh, on SmackDown of like how good of a match it was and how close she came to winning and all this. But like I was like, wow. So th- that type of match is in Naomi. She's capable of this type of matchup. And then they did absolutely nothing with it. And I was disappointed with that because I think they could have done something and, and really capitalized on that and caught lightning in a bottle. They did nothing. And the, but I remember you remember a lot of other fans remember that she can be this good. And I think that, OK, even in a heel role, that would be interesting to explore because I don't even know the last time Naomi was a, it was a heel. I don't know. I really don't know. Was she a funkadactyl? I, I I don't know. I really don't remember the last time that she was a heel. Um, so I think that that would be a fun thing to explore. Now, her entrance, which people love so much, would probably have to change a bit because it's so babyface-ish. Right. I mean, it's it screams babyface. There's no way to translate that to a heel uh, right now as, a, as it's constituted a, a heel uh, entrance. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would have no problem with that. Now, if they go the standard route of, of Sasha turning on Naomi, it's like, all right, we've seen this 400 times, which would also make you wonder – how is anybody teaming with Sasha, given her history? But uh, that aside, yeah, I don't know. My guess is it's probably Sasha who still turns on her. The other problem with that, though, is, hey, uh, they don't have a women's division if they do that. Like, they have so many 
problems with the women's division that if you take a team away from the tag team division, there's essentially no tag team division other than the champions who will go unopposed. And they had that for with uh, Carmella and uh, Zelina Vega for I don't know how long. They had no division, and they had champions for nobody to contend with. And now what? Yeah. You know, they just wiped out Baszler and Natalia. Yep. You know, Morgan and Ripley, they wiped out them, and they split, obviously. So... Where's the next women's tag team coming up? Is Toxic Attraction coming up next week? What's going on here? I'd love so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like on one hand, they're elevating the titles, I guess, if you want to be positive about it. But on the other hand, it's like the division's not existent. So, yep. you know. Yeah, it is. Um, but, hey, this, for at least last or the uh, two nights ago, at least for that, it was a really good matchup for the women here. And, you know, uh, I, I think it's something that the, the women's tag teams division can build on for as limited as it is and as an unfortunate anemic as the uh, depth is in the women's tag team division. I even even saying division doesn't sound right because it's not. But uh, all right. Well, let's uh, move on here. I want to let's get to let's see what's next here. OK, I, I do want to touch on Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. Now, d- when I hear Mad Cat Moss's music and I hear him talk, he seemed very, very lukewarm, at least in terms of the crowd reaction. Did you sense that it was kind of like, oh, Mad Cat Moss, uh, kind of a, a very weak, mild reaction, or maybe it came across stronger in person? I think you're being generous, to be honest with you. People were more doing the sighing or leaving their seats or... Just kind of like, come on, man. Like, we don't care. He was getting booed during that, and he was a baby face. He was getting booed during by the fans around me. And then people only got excited, but in doing so, just booed louder when Corbin came out from under the ring. Um, and we saw Corbin. I mean, they didn't cover this up well at all for the fans and the attendance. They brought the trophy out. The lights weren't even like completely out, and you could make out just by the body types of the people. They were all dressed in black, the people that brought the trophy out, and Corbin was one of them. And then he slid under the ring, and it was like a foot taller than all the other guys. Like you just, but anyway, so we saw that coming. But when he came out from underneath the ring, then he got a lot of heat on him. And I think that that's the only time that people really endeared themselves to Madcap during that by proxy of the negativity that everybody feels towards Corbin. And it looks like to me that that was an effort to write Madcap off of TV for a period of time and have him come back dropping the suspenders, the shorts, the jokes, the hyena laugh all the stuff that he's doing now and come back as a different character. You know, he's capable of that. He's got the look and everything, but you know, them trying him as a baby face is fine. And Corbin's a perfect guy to have him up against because nobody likes Corbin. Corbin seems to make the most of everything they give him, you know, whatever he wants. That's the one thing I can respect about him. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, a lukewarm at best reaction for Madcap Moss when he started saying jokes and saying things, it got worse and worse and worse. And then Corbin basically saved him by kayfabe breaking his neck, you know. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he could, hopefully 
we can all hope to God that he comes back as a different character because he's talented, you know, he's athletic. But yeah, that that segment there did not go over well with the fans. Thank God it wasn't a happy talk segment. I stayed to watch it. A lot of people didn't. That's it, sort of how that went. Yeah, it was uh, like you said, and, and I I felt for him. I was like watching or listening to his promo, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is not good. If they're if WWE's you know using this as a a litmus test to see if they should continue to push Madcap Moss as a babyface or just continue with him at all, I was like, this is a pretty mild reaction. But from what you're you're saying, I mean, if that's generous, then yeah, that's not a good sign. But the emotion did come once Corbin attacked him, and uh, like you said, it, it quote unquote broke his neck, took the chair, put it around his neck, and then slammed the trophy on the chair. I mean, uh, which never seen that before, so that was interesting. And uh, you know, I think it did get a little sympathy for Madcap, but I've heard that time and again, what's what's disconnecting him from the crowd and from the fans and connection with the fans are you know the suspenders and the hyena laugh and the jokes. So, but if you take all that away, at the same time, you're left with just generic wrestler X. Like he just looks like the typical bodybuilder guy that Vince loves. So you take those three things away, and you're actually kind of, you know, cutting him off at his knees, so to speak, because you're taking away his personality in what makes him Madcap Moss, for the better or worse. I mean, but that you're you're taking right. away his personality. So, uh, do you, do you have something you would do with him? I mean, besides, I mean, he he'd essentially be Elias, but rather be uh, Ezekiel with no personality. Like that's what you do. You just make him look like generic wrestler X. So but, yeah, they're doing that yeah. with Elias. So we'd have to do something different with Madcap. I'm not really entirely sure about what gimmick I'd give him, just because you know that's WWE creative's job. But at the same time. I do have to correct myself. It wasn't a broken neck. It, WWE called it a neck contusion. <laughs> but they, they they love their contusions. Everybody's yeah. got a contusion. Yeah. But um, it's uh, so he's out with a neck contusion for God knows how long. You know, hopefully not too long. You know, hopefully he comes back. But I think I know what you're saying about him. That's his character. That's who Madcap Moss is. I think that he's hit that character out of the park. He's taken it, run with it, spiked it in the end zone. But I also think that it's just not working in the babyface realm. I think that it was better as a heel doing that. Babyface, he had to be a little bit different. So maybe just a little bit more serious character, you know, newer year, some sort of evolution that someone at Creative comes up with that I can't think of right now. But off the top of my head, you know, just a more serious character that isn't interested in joking around, but I, I don't know what the gimmick would be. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it would be, I'm sure he would do well on it because he's done well with everything they've given him, you know? Or what he um, could do is, is kind of in a John Cena Doctor of Thugonomics way, not come out and rap, but the jokes he could make actually funny. I mean, he could make fun yeah. of his heel opponents through the jokes, and, and he did that a little bit with Corbin, but I think it needs to be harped on a little bit more. The hyena laugh, I would get rid of as well. Um, that would be number one. The, you just, just eliminate that. You don't need that. Um, the suspenders are a staple of what Mad Cat Moss looks like. When you when you think about Mad Cat Moss, the suspenders immediately come to mind. Uh, then that's a how about a singlet? Yeah. How about a singlet that kind of looks like suspenders? Yeah. And, uh, you know. 
got a nice wrestling singlet, but the bottoms are fake jeans and the top are fake suspenders. <laughs> that would work. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the suspender, the suspenders, I think I'm, I'm one of the people that have not super bothered by it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just there for me. I know why it's a recognizable feature of Mad Cat Moss. But for a lot of people, it is. It's one of those things that really annoy them. Annoy, yeah, annoy them about him, and I get that. I understand why. And you know, you're right. Like a, a simple, a simple attire change, but you're still the same guy can help. Um, and I think Mad Cat Moss is there, and he can, she's shown that he can work. Like some of the moves he can do, and the things he he could do with that type of body, the kind of the bodybuilder type of body. He, you know, I think he's got a lot there, a lot to offer. And he said he's just starting his career, and that's true. Like. He has so many days ahead of him, so I think there's there's a lot left to be desired about Mad Cat Moss, but he's just starting, and I think a, a small character change in terms of uh, getting rid of the hyena hyena laugh, and if people hate the suspenders, then get rid of the suspenders and put a singlet on them, and if you don't like the jokes, then actually use it in kind of a Doctor of Thugonomics way that makes people laugh, actually laugh about making fun of your opponents. Like, put some thought into it. I think there are a lot of, uh, there's something that could be um, really utilized there, but uh, any, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I actually think that that's where they're probably going to go with it. They're going to make him a funny, funny guy instead of an annoyingly not funny, funny guy, and then that's going to be sort of his promo style um, to cut down his opponents. I don't think, for whatever reason, Corbin feuds last months and months, so I think he's going to be dealing with Corbin a little bit longer, but, you know, they turned him face, and that's good. And I was, you know, I was very happy during that Happy Corbin or Happy Talk segment that he turned on Happy Corbin. And I just think that he hasn't gotten the reaction that they quite want. And they're just sending him away for a little fresh coat of paint, you know, and they'll have him back. And it went over well with the fans as far as gaining sympathy, which is what they were going for. So, you know, it was successful. What do you think about Sami Zayn? Now, he loses to Riddle, and I thought that was a really good match, but what do you make of Sami Zayn trying to endear himself to Paul Heyman and the bloodline and that whole story, and uh, Riddle telling Sami that his hair reminds him of Rust. He's going to call him Rusty. That almost made him uh, pop. You could hear see that. So how do you feel about Sami Zayn kind of in the middle of all this, but at the same time always you know losing matches? interesting because he's such a good character worker he's such a good you know gatekeeper for them on smackdown it's really funny the dynamic he has between he and paul Heyman backstage and things like that and and even roman reigns you know acting like he's doing favors i think this is going to lead to some sort of you know zane continuing to interfere in matches such as maybe next week's unification tag match where, you know, it creates, it gets to a point where the bloodline gets pissed off at him. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting involved in stuff you don't need to be involved in. You just lost a match and caused us to have a unification match. You know what I mean? So, I, But I think that doing this with him elevates his importance because for the last however long, he, he's lost to Johnny Knoxville. He's had a feud with McIntyre where he spent the whole time running away from him. Then he's beaten Nakamura by count out. So I think that he's going to be sort of for the time being somebody that does some bidding for the bloodline and he's going to be really humorous about it. 
and like other other wrestlers such as we saw Ricochet do, I, whoever it was that put him down backstage, oh, Shinsuke did, said that he's the ass of the table rather than the head of the table. I think that we're going to see things like that, and he's sort of going to be a gatekeeper for the bloodline. Now, what do I think about it? I just think that everything Sami Zayn's funny. So if they're using him as a comedy role here, as a stepping stone for people to get to the bloodline, and then he's in getting involved in the bloodlines matches and things like that, and that eventually leads to the Usos getting pissed at him or Roman Reigns getting pissed at him, maybe it gets him another title shot. I don't know. But I think having him involved in this is a good utilization of him because it brings some lightness to the whole thing especially how serious the bloodline is you know having this guy involved in just the interactions and things like that are really good they also need a bridge somehow to get i think they're looking at nakamura to feud with roman reigns so i think that and we all know who's going to go over in that one. But I think that's one of the, the feuds they want to do at one of the smaller shows or even Money in the Bank. And I think that if they do, they need Sami Zayn sort of to be an antagonist in that situation. So I kind of like where they're going with it. I don't know where it's going to end, but looks okay to me. He, like I said, everything he does is, is, is well done and funny and well executed. And his interactions with Heyman are, are hilarious. So, yeah, the, I, I think that, you know, almost everything you said, I, I would, uh, I would back that. I mean, Sami Zayn is a guy that it, I've said this too, that if Roman Reigns wasn't around, he could be your champion. I mean, he really could as a heel. He could be. The problem is he's been defined down as a very, very, very beatable heel. While his character's so good and he knows who he is and he's comfortable in the ring and he has, he's more than capable in the ring. He could have five star matches, you know, in his sleep. I think that the, uh, the, the problem is that, uh, he's been defined down as a guy that doesn't have a ton of heat, real, real heel heat because you know, at the end of the day as a fan, he's not going to get the victory. Like we've been educated over and over and over and over again that he is going to lose whatever program he's in and that i think over time does hurt him as a character um no again he's in a, a very valuable asset to smackdown i think he's going to be used by the, by the bloodline i think you're right um but ultimately i think he like you said he's going to have to do something that's going to continually screw things up for the bloodline, maybe open his mouth, get them into something they don't want to be in. Uh, and that's going to, that's going to eventually just anger Roman, anger the bloodline to a point, maybe in a month or so where they just, they beat him down and, you know, he goes and, I don't know, faces, uh, who, who the hell else knows, right. From, from Hollywood, maybe, you know, but my point is, I think Sami Zayn is a guy that's super underutilized. I know he's with the bloodline. He's getting main stream main event rub, but, to me, this is this is not something I don't think that's going to last very long, as you said. I think it's going to be something that's somewhat temporary, somewhat short-term, where the bloodline uses him and then discards him when they need to. Yeah, he's definitely getting buried as far as his performance in the matches. Drew McIntyre just buried him for a month straight, and they put him in there with Riddle, and Riddle beats him. And they had him in there with Shinsuke a week ago, and he wins by count out because he hit a Luva kick into the timekeeper's area. So they have not presented him well in the ring. But at the same time, you know, he's 
playing it out as a heel, you know, that chicken shit heel that just gets away with everything. So he does such a good job at that. Now, as far as him at this show, it was definitely a good people were expecting Roman Reigns or somebody or at least the Usos to come out at that time. And so when Zayn's music hit, people were all pissed off and he's wearing a bloodline shirt, which I thought was pretty funny. And then he gets in the ring. There were some rusty chants in the crowd that seemed like they were started by the plants, by the way that they were started. But who knows? But the crowd was getting into the rusty thing. And just the match itself, like like you said, he can have a five-star match with everything, anybody. He did that with with uh, Riddle that night. That was a great match. Um, and, yeah, they needed with, – with Sami Zayn after this, like where are we going after this? That's sort of what I always think of. Okay, I'll take this for what it is, and that's good. But after this, what does this do for them? Are they going to come out of this further down than it felt like they were going into it? Or are they going to come out of this and feel stronger? And so I'm not sure with him. But I do think that having him rubbed up against RK Bro and the Bloodline is a positive thing for him. It's a far cry from being power slammed or, uh, yeah, I guess body slammed by Wee Man. I mean, they, they, we have uh, on a weekly basis the announcers, particularly uh, Pat McAfee, being remind, reminding us, that he got power slammed by, you know, a, a small person. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, look, Sami Zayn, I think, is capable of more. And, and in time, I think he will get more because, you know, he's too talented not to, even though they continually book him in programs where he loses constantly, which I, I'm not a big fan of. Heels can win programs every once in a while, too. Um, but, hey. So let's let's go to Monday Night Raw here pretty quickly and uh, just talk about some of the big things going on here on Monday Night Raw and the the Judgment Day. We have a new member, Rhea Ripley, but I want your overall take not just on the new member and potential new members, but are you enjoying this group as a whole with Edge leading it? No, I'm not. Um, at first, uh, I'll say this. I'm warming up to it now because Ripley's in it and because I think this last promo on Raw was probably the best out of it. I think Edge looks better with the haircut, starting to get some music. You know, it's starting to go somewhere, but it's still a Hall of Fame guy coming out here with cheap heat promos. You know, is much you know, he cuts good promos, and now he's running down the fans and their sports teams all of a sudden. Then we're getting matches ended with the lights going out and Damian Priest just making faces with the blue light on him looking like a vampire. So I was very down on this in the beginning because I just felt like it, in this day and age, it's different than it was, you know, back when they had the Ministry of Darkness and things like that. However, Ray Ripley's in it now. I like Rhea Ripley. I I felt like she's needed the heel turn for the longest time. Now she can go after Bianca Belair. I feel like Edge, you know, I think I'm not, not too many people are going to disagree with me when I say that he's one of the best of all time and certainly one of the best they have right now as far as in-ring performer and psychology and all that. And having him with guys like Priest and ladies like Ripley, it, they're young. Well, Priest is almost 40, but young in the on the main roster and Ripley's in her early 20s it's great to have 
him as a mentor to them, if that has anything to do with this. If they bring in more younger people that are sort of not getting anywhere, I think that's good too. I just don't like the, you know, interference where where AJ Styles is getting interfered because somebody's standing there. That's just, I don't like the way they're making the baby faces look in it. And I feel like the promos are very heavy handed and forced. But I think what they're doing kind of reminds me of what they did with the Nation of Domination is they had a, a heel faction with, with a bunch of guys that, you know, like the Godfather, The Rock was in it, a bunch of heels that weren't getting over and that helped them develop and get over. So I think that overall my take on it is I'm still waiting to see. But I definitely felt like at first they needed to pivot or do something else because it didn't feel like just Edge and Priest were were making it happen. It felt very forced, very heavy handed. And it just was annoying that matches with AJ Styles would end because he sees Priest standing there or the lights go out and we get no explanation or lightning happens in the middle of the locker room and they smash him under a bench like things like that just. I don't want to see that on my wrestling show, but if this is just a darker faction and we have Edge mentoring some people that are in need of it, then I'm all for it. I do need to say that I think that we're going to see – if we see a Brock Lesnar return in the summer and he returns as a babyface again, they need to stay away from having Reigns and Lesnar wrestle again. We've seen that a million times. It would be very interesting to see – Judgment Day, to their judging of Brock Lesnar. Um, now, if Brock Lesnar comes back as a heel, he could always go through, make Cody Rhodes go through him, which is something that I think Cody Rhodes needs to do if he wants to be WWE champion. But I'm getting way off topic there. You asked me what I, yeah. I thought of Judgment Day. I, I initially hated it. Starting like it. The one on Raw was a little bit better. We didn't get much of an explanation on why Ripley really wanted to uh, join it other than she noticed on eBay people were selling her autograph. But, you know, suspend your disbelief. I don't know anybody who would be searching eBay for their own autographs. Yeah, I mean, that's – look, we've heard that before. I even remember from the the Pipe Bomb promo, we all heard CM Punk say to the fans – uh, like, you know, you you want me to – you want – you bother me at 530 at the airport in the morning – just so you can go sell this on eBay. I mean, but you're right. Like, how in the hell would she actually be searching for this and then be able to find the item uh, that that exactly she's looking for? Like, what would motivate her to do that, right? Like, and who cares? Why does it bother you? You know, it's not like... Anyway, yeah, you're right. Uh, But the only explanation outside of those details that she gave was she's tired of people using her, and she saw what this group has done to Damien's career and helped elevate it, and that she wanted to be a part of it. I mean, that that's it. That's all. And you know what? I'm yeah, glad they at I least... Felt like, yeah, go ahead. I felt like uh, at the beginning of Edge's promo, he did the cheap heat stuff. But then when he allowed Damien to speak, he allowed Rhea to speak. And then he took the mic back and said, listen, I pulled Rhea aside and I told her that Liv was holding her back. I thought that part of the promo was excellent. Um, yep. And so that explanation, all that by Edge was great. Rhea had a hard time getting it across, I think, because she's just not that seasoned behind the mic. But 
Go ahead. No, no, no. I, and, and I think that that's okay. I'm, I, number one, I at least appreciate them giving an explanation. I know the bar is set so low these days with WWE explaining anything they do, but at least they gave us something that's as, as kind of meek and mild as it is. They gave us something. So a- anything is better than nothing with everything that they do and the lack of explanations these days. This is fine for me. I have no problem because I think her explanation could grow, and I think that she fits this group nicely with her dark personality. She's out of a tag team. How is this going to work uh, moving forward? You know, I I really don't have a problem with this. Um, I, I'm a little bit higher on the Judgment Day than you are. I think that, uh, you know, at the beginning it was – I didn't hate it at the beginning. I actually didn't hate it or dislike it during any stage of this. Now, do I think it's the best thing ever or better than DX, better than the NWO? No, of course not. I mean, but I also understand what they're trying to do do to build new stars. That's what the purpose of any group is or any good group is, is to help build that new that new star or stars. Um, so let me ask you this uh, before we get to uh, a couple more topics and wrap it up here. Do you think that there's another a fourth member who's going to join? And if so, who? I think Champa or T-Bar. And there's always the possibility of Finn Balor inevitably or ultimately, however you want to phrase it, turning on AJ Styles and joining them. But I think that's probably the least possible. I think Champa's probably the next member to join. But I think T-Bar is somebody who should too. Because honestly, before I just said T-Bar, when was the last time you heard somebody talking about him? I don't know. I mean, the last time probably was he, he got – did he get a couple of victories or something? He was feuding with somebody after the whole uh, the whole disintegration of that group that we don't talk about. Um, he – I think he had a couple. Yeah. Of, oh, Damian Priest. I think Damian Priest, before he joined uh, the Judgment Day a few months ago, he was in a program with him, and he would actually go into, quote, Damian mode, which nobody ever explained what the hell that You're was. Right. Back he, in the fall, they were they yeah. were uh, feuding a little bit, and then he sort of just went back to only wrestling on main event. But I definitely think that he'd be a good guy to enter that group. Uh, they certainly are, you know, Ed said they're not done. And that indicates to me certainly they can get another member at least, probably two. So if it's Champa and T-Bar and they're helping elevate these guys' career, then I'm all for it. You know, that's what it's all about. And that's the reason why, you know, at first when I saw this, I was like, great, Edge is going to make a faction awesome. And then it got very dark and weird. And I was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? And then the Damian Priest turning into a vampire under the blue lights. And the, that match that ended with the lights going out just really bothered me. And even the distraction at WrestleMania was, was weird, mm-hmm. but I get it. I get the, the purpose, the like the reason I get where they're going with this and I like it. I just, they need to be careful with it. I think like, but in my opinion, what they need to do, not everything the Undertaker did is stuff that things that they should do. Not everything the Fiend did worked. You know what I mean? And so with the magic stuff just appearing out of nowhere, like, I don't know. I mean, it's cool, but at the same time, there's some of it that I I don't like. Especially, I guess I could probably even get used to the lights going out and them appearing out of nowhere as long as it doesn't end a match. But the thing that I, that I can't get used to is edge being someone 
who's cut such great promos over the course of his career, one of the best promos in the business, and he's starting them out by running down the hometown and their sports team, or if they did have a sports team, they'd be called the Lemmings. Like He doesn't even need to do that. He doesn't need to. He can cut that out of his promo. He's got the heat. He can say whatever he wants to say, and it'll work. And I feel like that heavy-handed stuff at the beginning, I understand why they do it because it's just in case, you know, there's some people in the crowd that don't realize you're a heel. But he's good enough at what he does to not do the cheap stuff. And then just the some of the booking I don't like. Now, I also like the fact not only are they building people on the heel side, you know, particularly Rhea Ripley, you know, this is great for her. She's finally heel single away from Nikki A.S.H., away from Liv Morgan, can have a title opportunity with Belair. They could have a heck of a feud for the rest of this year or throughout the summer, whatever they want to do. Um, but on the face side of it, you got guys like Balor who have sort of been overlooked. I understand he was just U.S. champion, but really he's not been booked well. He was pinned a million times in a row, and they're getting revived, and you know some excitement is being brought to them. So... I feel like Judgment Day as a whole in the segments that it's in and everything around it, you know, having Edge's elite on one side, AJ elite on the other. There's probably not two better wrestlers around. I mean, there are two better, but they're two of the top around to have doing that. And it's just successful, I think, on both ends. It's successful in having the heels gain their heel heat and it's successful in keeping the baby faces relevant and that's really all you can hope for like the story not don't like the story that's fine but they're in the business of telling a story so if there's one there then that's i'm happy about that so overall i think that they're they're going in a good direction with it and they're to answer your question in the longest way ever are they going to get new members Absolutely, I see Champa or T Bar as the next two members. I I have no problem with that, and I actually have been advocating for Champa to or Champa as they say to to be the next member. I mean, he's been on Raw randomly attacking Finn Balor, or rather, uh, was it Finn Balor? Or no, um, who's he been attacking randomly? Ali. Ali. He's been attacking Ali randomly with no explanation. He gets about five seconds of airtime, and then he just goes away. So I think Champa could be a perfect fit and would fit very nicely in there. I've heard rumors of Seth Rollins. I've heard rumors of Finn Balor joining the group. I mean, there's so many things floating out there. I just hope they don't oversaturate the group, and I think it should be very strategically chosen who should be picked. And I always, again, my, my standard foundational belief is that it's a group that should be put together for the for the purpose of building new stars and to see what Edge can do as, a, as this heel that we haven't seen before. Uh, so... I really don't have an issue with any of how they have done this so far. I really don't. Um, I, do I think it's genius? No, but I think Edge is so good on the mic that he can really talk through any possible issues that they have because he's so good. And, yes, they are doing kind of the cheap, oh, let's find out what your local sports team is and run it down. Like, that. that's so tired. I mean, like, 
I, I don't care who it is, really, unless you're kind of just starting out trying to get the crowd to boo you. The only people that care about that stuff are the people in the building. 99.9% of the people listening to you don't give a damn about the city's sports team that you're in because they're at home. So no one cares about whatever. The Boston Red Sox, if you're in Boston, most people, most, that are watching are going to go, eh, I don't either watch baseball or I don't care about the, the Red Sox. So, you know, I, I think that they got to be careful of that stuff, but Edge is a seasoned veteran, if not one of the best that they have on the mic, period, end of subject. And I think that this is ultimately, when we look back, going to be a very successful group uh, when we look back at it. And it's starting to grow on you, which is good. Um, all right, so I, I want to touch on uh, one other thing here, and then we can wrap it up, is uh, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. I mean, uh, Cody Rhodes this past week is screwed out of the United States Championship because of Seth Rollins. So... What do you make of this feud likely going to part three, maybe inside the cell, uh, not just at Hell in a Cell, maybe inside the cell? Uh, are you looking forward to a potential part three? Absolutely. I think that they had the singles match of the night absolutely at Backlash and probably the men's match of the weekend at WrestleMania. I can watch these two guys go at it you know, over and over again. Now, there is something to be said for beat the guy twice already. Why do you got to beat him again? But obviously, Seth Rollins doesn't care that he's been beaten twice. And he feels like that, the you know, they did a great job in this and having Seth try to O'Connor roll up and pull the tights of Cody. And then Cody kind of fight fire with fire and say, you're not doing that to me. I'll do it right to you. And so that gives Seth a reason to say, hey, he cheated. I want this match again. Now, I think we all knew that soon as Seth Rollins' segment came on, they basically should have just had a Seth Rollins picture-in-picture picture while the Cody match was going on with Theory, which, by the way, was an outstanding match between the two of them. You know, th They don't work together very often. They came up with a nice match there. But Cody and Seth have been working together a lot. Um, if they had a camera on Seth Rollins, they should have done that because we all knew he was coming out to interfere in that match after they had a promo of him all pissed off just before the match started. But anyway, that was what, how I saw it anyway. So as far as them having round three, I can see them having a match anytime. They've been working on this at their house show runs, you know, it's real important to, for them to present Cody in a positive way. Seth Rollins is their top heel internally there on Raw. There's, I mean, who else is he going to face unless it is a champion? And I think if you beat Seth Rollins three times, who in my opinion is one of the better wrestlers, like if you check all the boxes of promo, character work, in-ring work, psychology, all those things, he's one of the better guys right now that we have and so having him rub up against having him cody rub up against seth like this is the best thing they can do as seth in the gatekeeper role you know saying no you're not getting to the championship without going through me having it go a third time some people would say is a little bit excessive but Seth had a legitimate argument that he wasn't prepared at wrestlemania and storyline and then in this match at WrestleMania Backlash, he has a legitimate argument that Cody Rhodes pulled his tights. And Seth Rollins is the type of character who's persistent and going to want to 
win no matter what, if even if he's lost 10 times in a row. So it makes sense in storyline. Cody's handling it right in storyline. And I'm excited to see what they can do. If it isn't a sell, how they can use the sell, because they've been very innovative and very good in their matches. You know, they didn't just go to the three crossroads in a row finish for the one at Backlash. They obviously used the roll-up thing. And it's been a good – they've told a good story here. I'm interested to see it keep going. And I think you don't have two better guys in the business, business being WWE, to do it for you to carry a feud without a title being involved. So I think it's good. I'm happy with it. And, you know, I have no complaints of them wrestling a third time. I don't think anybody in their right mind would look at this and say, oh, man, this is this is going to stink, right? Like, even if you don't care about the story, if you're only wrestling-based, this is a this is a wrestling clinic that these two have put on, and, and I think they've had very two very solid matches the last two times at WrestleMania and WrestleMania Backlash. And, and I think that at Hell in a Cell, they're probably going to have another one probably in, I would think, inside the cell, given that this is their third match. It does warrant the sell, um, I think, and it'll probably be the blow-off. Now, yes, Seth would lose. Um, I think he would probably lose this, given also that you're seeing promotional material come out for Money in the Bank with Cody Rhodes as the guy who is the narrator for this one, for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which is now going to be in a stadium. Uh, so you're going to have, I think, uh, Seth Rollins lose this match, and I think Cody Rhodes could maybe even win Money in the Bank. We'll get to that if we need to. And uh, so uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to this match as well. Third match that has yet to be announced. We'll probably hear about this match on Monday Night Raw. I, I would imagine we'll probably hear about Cody and Seth Part 3 come uh, you know Monday night tomorrow night on Raw. We'll, we gotta hear it. I mean, we're, we'll be what only a couple of weeks away from the actual event. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, any final thoughts on Cody and Seth before we wrap things up? Um, I the only thing I'm thinking is how many Hell in a Cell matches are they gonna have at that pay per view, and do they need to put this match inside the cell because? Let's just say we have the we know we're having the unification tag match next week, probably going to end in interference or something like that. And we know Roman Reigns isn't going to be on that pay-per-view. So then they may put that match in a cell. And so if they put those four men in a cell in that match to not have interference occur, even though we've seen it happen in cell matches anyway, um, you know, if they do that, then. Are they going to put this match in the cell, too? Because you could also make the argument that AJ and Edge need to be in a cell together. So, But regardless, whatever they do with it, it'll be a good match between between the two of them because that's what they've been doing and that's what they do. And everything you said, I totally agree with. Well, yeah, and, and I, I appreciate that. And I think that we have probably two cell matches. Anytime they have like a, a theme-based pay-per-view like Elimination Chamber, there's two Elimination Chamber matches. With the Rumble, obviously, there's two women's or, or two, one women, one men's. Uh, Money in the Bank, they have one women, one men's ladder match, uh, you know, usually separated pretty far apart on the on the event. One starting at the very beginning and usually the, the other one starting or ending the show, closing out the show. So I think this one's not going to be any different. There'll probably only be two matches for inside the cell. 
that's at least my guess based on his uh, the history of their kind of gimmick pay-per-views that they do over the course of the year. So, uh, yeah, men's and women's, yeah. I thought. So yeah. who knows well, yeah. how many men's they do? You'd imagine they do a women's match, but I don't know any women's match that's deserving of it. Like, I don't know a women's match that is deserving of Hell in a Cell. Maybe I, we maybe we see Oscar getting a feud with Belair. Maybe we see a triple threat match between Belair, Becky, and Oscar on Raw, and then Oscar gets the title opportunity at Hell in a Cell, but they keep Becky Lynch from interfering by putting them in the cell together. Yeah. The, the, That's an idea. I don't know. I, I don't I don't dislike it. I, I want the women to have a match inside the cell, but I'm also going to put the the mystique and the respect of the cell match itself, reserving that for only programs that are deserving. I mean, I wouldn't even have this pay-per-view exist. This was, this would not be a thing that exists if I were in charge of the schedule, because I think oh, I'm with you with that. The, the, the pay-per-views just having a hell in a cell match, calling it hell in a cell, I think is stupid. And I think having, you know, hell in a cell matches that, Hell in a Cell is supposed to, first of all, it was like the Undertaker's, you know, gimmick match, right? At one point. But again, regardless, it's supposed to be the feud ender. Nobody comes in, nobody comes out till this is over. And there's an appropriate time to do so. And when they pigeonhole it into a month of the year and make it one of their PLEs, then it's not, it loses the value. And so... I, th- I guess that's what you're trying to say, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it devalues yeah, waters totally the whole think. thing down. Yeah, because they have to force a feud into a cell that might not even belong in there. We need to see a feud that's like, oh my gosh, there's too many people getting involved here. It's not, you know, these guys are beating the crap out of each other, and it needs to be handled one on one with nobody and nobody out. You know. Exactly. I mean, the rarity of Hell in a Cell should be that. It should be rare. It should be someplace that is only where a blood feud ends, where they've had three or four matches and this is the blow off. Um, It shouldn't just be built into the schedule and whatever matches and programs happen to be going on or deserving of the cell. That is completely backwards. I've, I've been against it since the beginning. Um, you know, as much I love Hell in a Cell, but to me at this point, they've had way, way too many and they're trying to. Trying to, uh, I guess, just get more subscriptions to the network at the expense of uh, of the actual Hell in a Cell value, the match of that, or the, the value of that match of what it used to mean, they're willing to sacrifice because they think that putting this as a pay-per-view, a gimmick pay-per-view, is more important to try to get subscriptions than worrying about the value of this match and what it used to mean. I think that they're willing to make that trade-off because it's about dollars and cents. I re- that's, <laughs> I mean, I think it comes yeah. down to money, period. So. Yeah, there's a lot of there's too many things that are influenced by uh, their TV deals and their network deals. I think Fox has a lot to do with what we see on SmackDown and what we don't see on SmackDown and what we don't see end up occurring, you know, and it is what it is. It'd be nice if they were under one network because then they'd only be following one group of suits demands Mm -hmm. and then it'd be a lot easier for them to sort of keep the the creative fresh and keep it flowing and it can't flow right when you're splitting up the rosters and having a brand split that's not really even a brand split but it is a brand you know what i mean it's just i mean we don't need to go down that foxhole right now but it's just it's 
certain things, um, you can tell that they're not done with the interest of just pure good pro wrestling at heart. It's marketing, and that's sort of you know what makes some things feel not as big as they should. Yeah, and and they have become, I think, an anti pro wrestling environment like they they run from their identity any chance they get like vince doesn't say the word wrestling the word wrestling is banned essentially outside of a few mentions once in a while on on wwe tv you know they they use the word superstar instead of wrestler like that that is so corporate i mean it doesn't get any more corporate than that Uh, to me wrestler is to me wrestler is actually more credible than calling somebody a superstar superstar is a title that you give somebody when that's earned like you don't superstar is like a, a super like you're a mega star like you are somebody that is you know at the top of your 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 genre at the top of whatever profession you're in you don't automatically get that title by just walking in WWE's door but they're trying to create the perception that everybody that walks in here is a superstar it's like no you you're not they're trying to redefine what superstar means it's they're a wrestler and superstar would be like Stone Cold John Cena Roman Reigns like those are superstars but the Rock, Bret exa- Hart, like the, uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, those guys. But they've tried to reimagine what that word means by just essentially signing on the dotted line, you're instantly a superstar. Like, it's no. Like, they're a wrestler. That's what they are. They're they're part entertainer, part wrestler, but they're not a superstar. I, I mean, Vince is will never bend on that. I know that. But, uh, all right, well... Uh, Matt, this has been so much fun. Uh, before you go, I want to let you, uh, of course, uh, give you a chance to talk about your, your podcast and where everybody can, uh, can find it and listen to it. All right. Thanks, man. It's been a blast too, as well. I always enjoy listening to your shows and your other co-hosts too. So shout out to them. Everybody keep up the good work. Our show is called beyond the mat. That's beyond the M A double T podcast it's on basically all podcast platforms we drop a raw review a midweek review of sort of everything that's going on with wwe and a smackdown review every week at minimum we also do some watch alongs we're going to do some retro shows working on a survivor series 98 review watch along type thing so we're going to be getting a lot more content out there we just started a couple of months ago like I said, it's called Beyond the Mat. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Beyond Matt WWE. And we also take questions from fans. Email address is Matt at BeyondTheMat.com. But other than that, just like to throw a shout out to the couple guys who've been helping me with the podcast as well. My buddy Kyle, Brad, Chris, and just this last week, guy named Jim from Montana has been giving me some pointers. So, you know, those guys have been contributing too. So I wanted to show them some love and, you know, be on the mat. Check it out. If you don't like it, that's fine. But appreciate if you left a five-star review anyway because it helps us out. Very good. And and I would encourage everybody to go listen to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I – 
I think that that podcast is definitely going to be taking off uh, in the next uh, you know several months, just because it, I can tell that you guys have a passion for what you do and you love wrestling, and that's ultimately how you how you succeed in anything you do. So, I'm um, you know, definitely guys go check out Beyond the Mat. Clever name by the way, uh, Beyond the Mat. Uh, that podcast is available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that you said right. So. Yeah, all the major platforms yep. and YouTube as well. So, cool, cool. Well, uh, we will definitely have to do this again. This was this was a lot of fun, you know, especially given that you were in person and and always hearing what in real time is going on and not just the post production kind of messing with the perception at home type of thing. And I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me, man. It was my pleasure to join you. Like you said. We'll have to do it again sometime because chopping it up about wrestling is one of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. So. Yeah, same here. So uh, I appreciate it, buddy, and uh, you take care and have a good night. All right, man. You too. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.